welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to answer your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Our Prairie Doc topic this week is diabetes, so we're going to be talking about that some as our program goes on. So if you have questions or comments you want to share with Dr. Johnston about that, 605-692-1430. But before we dive in more into the topic of diabetes, um, we want to highlight that we're so excited that we have a COVID-19 community vaccination event coming up um, next week. That's right, right on so. February 25th at the Swiftel Center. Now, it's, it's important that we recognize this is probably just the first of such events that we're going to have. Uh, as I understand it, we've only got 1,000 doses, okay. which is not going to go very far towards immunizing Brookings County. So there will be more events like this uh, in in the future. But the uh, registration opened this morning, so you can go uh, to the website, um, look at uh, brookingshealth.org slash vaccine, or you can call 692-2811. And uh, hopefully there's still slots available and you can get signed up. You do have to be eligible, so they're not taking all comers yet. It's basically people who live within Brookings County, because each county is responsible for vaccinating their own residents, uh, who are age 70 and above. So uh, if you haven't gotten your vaccine, I know that a lot of people who are over 75 have gotten their vaccine previously. But if you have not yet gotten your vaccine, go ahead and either call 692-2811 or visit brookingshealth.org vaccine. And hopefully you'll be able to get signed up for an appointment to get your vaccine. They are not going to take walk-ins. This is by appointment only. So that's to try to control the number of people who come uh, and to make sure that they're spaced out through the day so we don't risk spreading the virus if somebody happens to have it uh, and also to make sure that we're not turning people away because we run out of vaccine so Mm -hmm. go and sign up and get your shot if you're 70 and older and living in brookings county yeah that's really exciting to know a thousand shots as you said we need a lot more but that's that is a great number to have that many people get vaccinated and Um, and it's a big boost you know before we'd been getting about 300 doses a week so you know that again does not go very far uh with our highest risk people so you know hopefully we are starting to see the uptick and next time it'll be 2,000 and the next time 5,000 and that's my own conjecture. I have absolutely no basis on which to make that. It's just my wishful thinking that we will start getting large numbers (laughs) and that everybody will be able to get their vaccine soon. We'll just all think real hard on that and maybe it can come. We're all just (laughs) send our good energy out into the universe. Send up our prayers. So just one more time to get registered, you can call 605-692-2811 or visit brookingshealth.com dot org backslash vaccine so um that is great news now i did get a call um dr johnston from someone before shortly before the show started saying if you choose not to get the shot what will happen well um the more people who choose not to get vaccinated the longer it's going to take for us to hopefully get on the other side of this because you know depending on 
how contagious these new variants are and how well the shot works against those new variants and you know there's a lot of a lot of uncertainty still a lot we don't know but we need enough people to have immunity that the virus has a hard time finding somebody that it can spread to from somebody who has it so the more people who choose not to get vaccinated the harder it is for us to get to that point and the longer we are going to deal with the effects of this pandemic so that is from a societal perspective uh, we need people to get the shot so that fewer people are susceptible so that the virus can't has a harder time spreading from an individual perspective, if you choose not to get vaccinated, then you are still at risk for COVID-19. Now, the vaccine's not perfect. Um, people can still get COVID if, despite having had the vaccine, but it does significantly reduce the likelihood that you'll end up in the hospital. The two vaccines that are currently approved uh, reduce the risk of severe disease by about 95%, which is huge um, because when people end up hospitalized with COVID-19, it's usually not a two or three night in the hospital stay. It's usually a much longer stay, uh, potential for a very long period of time in the intensive care unit. I mean, people rack up bills in the millions, literally millions mm -hmm. of dollars if they have complicated cases. So uh, plus there's the question about what are the long-term effects? of the virus. Um, we are increasingly see, seeing evidence of long-term effects on the brain, memory problems, concentration problems, uh, people who develop psychiatric illness for the first time in their lives. And, you know, obviously people have to develop psychiatric illness at some point, but we know from you know, many generations of, of research and study that there are certain ages when people are more likely to develop the first signs of mental illness. And we are seeing people develop these problems at ages that are very unusual. So, and, and seeing them in such numbers that the, the link with COVID-19 seems to be pretty strong. Mm. We've seen evidence of long-term injury to the heart. Uh, and we know that people who have COVID, you know, there's a, a significant percentage of them that end up with what they call long haul syndrome. So people whose lives just aren't going back to normal, whose energy level, whose concentration, whose taste, sense of taste and smell are just not normal. I mean, this certainly the majority of people who get this go through it and maybe they're miserable but then they recover and they go back to feeling normal we don't know if they're going to stay normal or 10 years down the road are these people going to be at higher risk for um, heart failure or dementia or there's just a lot we don't know about that so this is not a disease that i encourage anyone to experiment with mm -hmm. um, people express concern about you know being experimented on by this vaccine but the disease is very much an experiment in nature as well, the vaccine less so. So in my mind, it is very clear that if you're going to take your chances with one or the other, you are much better off taking your chances with the vaccine. I know when the vaccine, when we were first talking about the vaccine, I personally had a lot of hesitation. I was, I was really nervous about the idea that we were going to have this vaccine that that skipped all these steps and ended up being approved really early and hadn't had all the necessary steps 
But as I learned more about this vaccine, I realized we really were not starting from zero. We were starting from a pretty well-established technology. We use this kind of technology in cancer treatments, for example. Obviously, that's not something that the majority of us have any exposure to because it's not all cancer treatments and um, it's, it's kind of a niche market. But the technology has been pretty well known and we had a real head start on this vaccine because they had been developing this technology for use with other coronavirus type vaccines. It's just that the funding ran out. Well, there's that old statement when you're doing remodeling or building or whatever, you can have fast, good, or cheap. Well, it's kind of the same <laughs> here. You can have fast, good, or cheap, and we did not choose cheap. Mm. Um, under normal drug development, vaccine development processes, drug companies will go a little ways, spend a little bit of money, and assess. Is this looking good? Is, this, is it worth investing more money? So they invest their money a little at a time. With this vaccine, the federal government, the governments around the world, the drug companies dumped all the money in up front. Instead of investing a little at a time to see if it was going to pay off, they, sh they shot it all and they invested a lot of money right up front and they basically raced through the process instead of going one step at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, they, 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 didn't, they didn't go from, um, you know, from Brookings to Sioux Falls. They went from Brookings to Dallas mm -hmm. all in one trip. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a good way to think of this. The vaccine has been well studied. I'm very confident. I've had the vaccine. Um, I've gotten my 92-year-old father-in-law. He gets his, his second shot tomorrow. All the people that I love, I am encouraging to get this vaccine. We have not in Brookings seen anybody have a serious reaction to this vaccine. Now, that doesn't mean people haven't had reactions. People mm -hmm. can feel crummy after mm -hmm. this vaccine. But nobody has ended up seriously ill mm -hmm. as a result of this vaccine, mm -hmm. injured as a result of this vaccine. It's normal with this vaccine, just like with the shingle shot, to feel really fluish, achy, awful for a few days. I haven't actually talked to many people who felt that bad with it. Mm -hmm. Nobody, I haven't personally talked to anybody who's had to miss work because mm -hmm. of the vaccine, although I know that that's happened. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, you know, when you look at your odds, I've signed a lot of death certificates from COVID-19 in the last year, mm -hmm. and I have not seen anybody who has gotten seriously sick with the vaccine. Mm -hmm. It's very clear in my mind where your better odds are. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you for all that great information. It is helpful for us to hear that from a trusted source from a doctor in our own community. So thank you for um, explaining that to all of us to just hear that one more yes. time. Well, we need to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. If you have diabetes, these lifestyle changes can help lower your risk for heart disease. Follow a healthy diet. Eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, lean protein, and whole grain. Aim for a healthy weight. If you're overweight, even losing a modest amount of weight can lower your triglycerides and blood sugar. Get physical activity. Try to get at least 150 minutes per week of moderate-intensity physical activity, such as brisk walking. 
Manage your ABCs. A, your A1C test. B, keep your blood pressure below 140 over 90. And C, control your cholesterol levels. S stands for stop smoking or don't start. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Call your provider with questions or to set up an appointment, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We had another question come in asking, do people that have had COVID-19 still need to be vaccinated? We are recommending that people who have had COVID-19 still get vaccinated. We don't know how long your natural immunity will last with COVID. Uh, Plus, there are these new variations out there now. We don't know um, how well natural immunity protects you from those. We don't know how well it protects you with the shot either. Uh, But again, just like I was saying before the break, I think your, your odds are just better off with the vaccine than without the vaccine. The only requirement from the uh, FDA, uh, from the CDC, et cetera, et cetera, is that you no longer be in your infectious period, that you be out of your quarantine. And that's more to protect the people around you than for your own sake. So the answer is yes. If you've had it, still go and get the vaccine. The exception is that if you had it and you got the monoclonal antibody treatment that we've been offering for the last couple of months uh, where you would have gone to the hospital and you would have gotten an infusion for half a day or so you have to wait 90 days because that is an artificial antibody that we're giving you to reduce the the severity of that illness and that could potentially interfere with your response to the vaccine. So the short answer is yes, the long answer is, but you might need to wait, um, but definitely get that vaccine. Now, interestingly, um, you know, other people sometimes wonder, well, I had the flu, do I still need to get my flu shot this season? Not the same vaccine, not the same illness, but similar question. The answer with that is yes, but for a slightly different reason. And the answer to that is that There are usually several different strains of influenza that circulate every season. And just because you've had one doesn't mean that you can't get one of those other strains that may be included in the vaccine. So even if you had influenza, it's still worth getting the flu shot that season. Just remember for next year that you should get it a little earlier. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, great information. Well, our Prairie Doc topic this week is diabetes. Yes. And um, before the show started, um, Bob and I were chatting a little bit about how people with diabetes um, take on so much to manage their health. Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, diabetes is is a real burden on the people who have that disease. They really have to take a very active role in, in changing things to... Uh, try to help keep their blood sugars on target and to reduce their risk of all the complications that diabetes can have. So it is very much, just like my essay says, a do-it-yourself disease. The people who have this disease have to do an awful lot of work to try to minimize the impact that disease will have on their health in the long run, and that's a big job. It's a very, very big job. So taking a step back, what is diabetes? What 
So diabetes fundamentally is a situation where for some reason your body does not utilize your sugar very well and our bodies run on sugar. Um, so anything you eat is largely converted to sugar for your cells to use. Um, so sugar is very necessary uh, and our muscles need to use it, our heart needs to use it, our brains need to use it, uh, and our body will convert energy sources to sugar. Sometimes it has to work harder than others to do that. But there are certain conditions where for some reason our body has a hard time getting that sugar from the blood into the cells that it, that it needs. Type 1 diabetes, which is the type that is typically something that develops in childhood, happens in large part because the immune system for some reason decides that the pancreas uh, needs to go. Okay. <laughs> and the immune system attacks the pancreas, and the pancreas, the cells that it attacks are the cells that produce insulin. So type 1 diabetes is caused because your body can no longer make the insulin that you need uh, in order to get that sugar into your cells. Type 2 diabetes happens uh, because for some reason your body gets resistant to that insulin. It doesn't know what to do with that insulin. It doesn't work as well. And so you need a lot more of it in order to do the job. So although type 1 and type 2 diabetes have very different causes, they have virtually identical effects in terms of causing that blood sugar to rise. Uh, our treatments, pretty much any of the treatments we can use for type 1 diabetes, we also will use for type 2 diabetes, uh, but the, the inverse is not true because people with type 1 diabetes don't have insulin to work with. Now, there's some subtleties to all that conversation, but that's the basic truth of the matter. And what are some things that we can do to help prevent diabetes? So uh, type 1 diabetes, we don't have any real good ways to prevent that mm -hmm. right now because, again, that's an immune system issue. Uh, immune diseases tend to run in families. So uh, maybe I have type 1 diabetes and my sister has rheumatoid arthritis and my brother has thyroid disease. And, you know, so in a certain way, maybe you could pick different genetics, but I haven't figured out how to do that yet either. So mm -hmm. for the most part, type 1 diabetes, uh, there's a lot of research, but we don't have um, a, a good available way to prevent that right now. Now, type 2 diabetes is a very different, a very different beast. Um, we know that physical inactivity, a poor diet, obesity, those are risk factors that can contribute to the development of type 2 diabetes. So all the things that we harp on all the time, stay active, eat right. That means lots of fruits and vegetables and whole foods and not a lot of processed sugary things and uh, high, high saturated fat. You know, all the things we tell you are bad for you, quote unquote, uh, increase your risk of diabetes. Losing weight is incredibly hard, um, but maintaining a healthy body weight can really help reduce your risk of uh, diabetes as well. So those are the fundamentals for trying to avoid or delay for people that we know are at high risk. Uh, by making some of those changes, you can delay the onset of, of diabetes, and it's worth the effort. Absolutely. Well, it's a huge topic. I know a lot of people have um, different people in their lives um, who are 
dealing with diabetes and working through that. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow night's show where on um, SDPB television where Dr. Johnston will have a couple of experts in the area on the television show. So be sure to tune in for that to learn more. Yes, Dr. Crawford is an endocrinologist down in Sioux Falls with Avera, and he will be joining us in studio. And there's Dr. Palmer out from uh, Rapid City who will be joining us. So I'm very excited about the conversation, listening and learning from these two experts. Absolutely. We did have a couple additional questions come in outside of the diabetes area. Um, A a follow-up on the COVID shot. Will you need to get the COVID shot once a year like we do the flu shot? Uh, The answer to that is we don't know. Um, My best guess is that at some point we will be getting boosters and it will be more like the flu shot where we need to keep up with whatever the most common strain is. But that is, again, uh, a somewhat less than well-educated guess about that. Uh, We just don't know for sure yet. Okay. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> we'll, exactly. We'll be, we'll you let will you know. hear about it here <laughs> if you do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then another question: um, How much food do you need to take with ibuprofen? Is a small candy bar at bedtime enough? You know, that is not necessarily a one-size-fits-all answer. Okay. Um, first off, although I love the idea of a candy bar at bedtime, refer back to that conversation we were having just a minute ago that maybe a candy bar at bedtime is not the best choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, I will recommend to, to people um, just a, a small snack, a glass of milk, uh, a few crackers, an apple, you know, just something to kind of buffer that. Uh, it may or may not be all that helpful, but uh, most people will find if their stomach gets a little touchy with ibuprofen that a little bit of food in there is helpful. It does not necessarily reduce your risk of getting ulcers with ibuprofen, which ibuprofen can do, um, but it can make it a little easier and a little more tolerable for your system. Okay. All right. So it's not necessary to have food with ibuprofen, but if you feel better, Correct. you may do that. Correct. The, some some medications need food in order to be absorbed better. Okay. With ibuprofen, we usually recommend that you take it with food just because it tends to make it a little easier on your stomach. Okay. All right. Well, before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Tomorrow, February 18th, Prairie Doc host Deb Johnston and guest Dr. Richard Crawford of Sioux Falls and Dr. John Palmer of Rapid City will take viewer questions about diabetes. Watch the full episode this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Deb Johnston for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.